Hi, I'm Greg Potter, and this is 20-Minute Collaborations. Hi, welcome back to 20-Minute Collaborations. How's life treating you? What's happening? I am fighting to say goodbye to summer. We are in Madison, Wisconsin right now. And you can feel the hint of fall finally coming in. I'm dreading it. Even though I enjoy fall very much. I love summer so much more. We're in the third week of a four-part series on creating space for more impactful and effective collaborations. One of the things that I think about when creating space is what do we do with participants and the co-collaborators in that beginning time? Priya Parker in The Art of Gathering talks highly about the invite, the intention of the invite, the intention of the gathering, and every step from the invite to the threshold to the actual event. There's that weird spot in the threshold area where we, when we're creating space, need to be aware of what the people are going to do before they get instructions, before they know what exactly is happening. When I think of those times, I think about getting to graduate school. And it was our first day of orientation was on a Sunday. And I sometimes for things like this, because of my anxiety, I'm early. And when I arrived that day, Two other people in my class were earlier. Andre and today's guest, Angela Bukenya. And in Little Rock, next to the Clinton School of Public Service and the Presidential Library, there's this beautiful bridge that goes over the Arkansas River. And so we took a walk and got to know each other at a very impressive deep level within minutes of knowing each other. And Angela, Angie B, as we call her, is such an extraordinary placemaker and aware of what's happening in all of the surroundings with people that it was beyond necessary to invite her to come onto the podcast for this series. Angie B has a background in the medical field and nursing and public health. She is a facilitator. She is a community organizer. She is a liaison between small businesses in Uganda and around Uganda to America. She is a connector. She is a fundraiser. She is a powerhouse that we are so lucky to have on this planet right now. Here is this fantastic and very large story of Angie B organizing women in Kampala, Uganda. I hope you enjoy this conversation of 20-minute collaborations. Okay, listeners, so I don't even know where to begin with with my guests. I was just uh, telling a story a couple days ago of me visiting her in Kampala, but we went to her mom's house, and I was in her mom's bed, and she shouted at Angie, "She's Greg's now my friend. <laughs> and so well, I'm bringing on to the show 20-minute collaborations, Welcome, Angela Bukenya. How are you? Thank you. 
it's morning here, so it's okay to say good morning. <laughs> yes. Oh my gosh. Um, do you remember that visit in Kampala? <laughs> oh, of course, it, it was. It was a very needed visit. It's always nice to see family after many years, but with friends who have made part of your family a little bigger than yourself. So, oh, well, we still need to come and visit. <laughs> I need to get back to Kampala. Well. Listeners, Angela Bakenya, and I may have said this in the intro, I haven't taped the intro yet, so I'm not sure, but we met at the Clinton School of Public Service, and she was my first friend, very first friend at the school. And so, Angela, would you like to tell the listeners a little bit about yourself? Thank you. So my name is Angela Bakenya. I am born and raised in Uganda. I am currently living in the U.S. Of course, it's my new country. So I live here now in Seattle, Washington area. Yes, I met Greg at the Clinton School when we were pursuing our wonderful Masters of Public Service, which is a dear energetic space for us because it has taught us a lot about collaboration and stepping into other spaces carefully and mainly inclusion. So because of that exposure, I have continued to pursue more of my interests, especially helping to feed children in schools that come from remote areas. I'm writing um, my PhD thesis in relationship to how we can improve school feeding nutrition into schools that need to retain their children. Most of our kids are enjoying going to school, not much as we did, but because they also don't have access to food, so they have no reason to get motivated. In my other world, as you know, I'm a business consultant, so I do like to collaborate and bring businesses together from different walks of life, especially to the U.S. so we can connect those points of the world that need our, our help and support as a, as a U.S., the strong economy. You, uh, I have to, listeners, I have to add a little bit in here. When Angela Bukenya, when Angie B. says she's going to get something done, it happens. And not just in a, not just in a, like, kind like oh it's gonna get done like in a big way like and it's specific and directive and and just beautiful and it's yeah oh if you get to ever work with angie b you will be one of the luckiest human beings alive so um listeners as you always know or as you know i always invite a guest on to share a short story where they collaborated with one or two other people and then we talk about lessons on collaboration from that story. And in this episode, we're going to go a little bit more specific into space creation because I believe Angie B is going to share a story that involved a lot more than four or five people. (laughs) Angie, would you like to tell your story? Of the many stories I can tell about collaboration, you should remember the one where we brought the former Mac pharmaceutical CEO into the classroom setting as a surprise to our professor. <laughs> no, <laughs> I'm for- not telling that story. <laughs> I forgot about that. Okay, yes, you're not telling that story. <laughs> so I'm telling a story about passionate people I met in Uganda. So for the many years, I couldn't travel back to Uganda because of immigration limitations. And I'm proud about the opportunity for America to give us that chance that we can navigate and become naturalized citizens. I opened up an opportunity to go and revisit my home country. I had met a member of parliament of a community that I'd never been to living in that country. 
which is about five hours out of Kampala. Kampala is my hometown, but I did not speak their language, neither did I know what to expect. I decided I'm gonna test my skills out. Inclusion is valuable. Opening spaces is as important. So I opened my own space first to step out and I moved into this community. Well, they had a wonderful event, they were fundraising to be able to accomplish some projects in that community. That On this particular one, it was a church they were trying to complete. So we had to bring in a lot of energy. Amazing in this community, they don't have a lot of money, but they have a big heart for giving. So people would bring their chickens, they'll bring their turkeys live, and <laughs> they would do bus trades. So, you know, people brought what they had, you know, little bags of millets, you know, things that did not have cash in their hands, but were valuable in the community to do a butter trade. So when I was witnessing that, a lady stepped up to me because, you know, I was brought in by a VIP related person in their community. So therefore I'm sitting in what would have been a VIP canvas. Then a lady came slowly and asked me, why are you sitting here? Don't you see where the women are? So immediately I didn't know how to tackle that question, but I also had to be very pragmatic and respond quickly. So I said, where would I be sitting if I didn't sit here? She said, you can come where I'm sitting. Obviously, for being nervous, I didn't want to leave a secure space because of security and other things that protocol requires. So I say to her, I'll see you later. Okay, let's move forward. I get a few <laughs> minutes to meet, <laughs> to meet Miss Wonderful, as I call her. So she said, you know, would love for us to organize a few women leaders to meet with you so you can teach us something. Well, I felt very empowered because, hey, I'm a guest. I don't know the language. I don't know the community. But people see a teachable moment. Let's take advantage. So I organized with her and said, well, since I travel with the member of parliament of your region, I don't have a good schedule of my own. We'll have to communicate through that channel and organize a setting that's more appropriate. And of course, we had just come out of school where you have to be sensitive about the gatekeepers how you enter into a community, who do you have to know before you actually meet with the people? How do you protect you know, the interests of both sides? How do you not manipulate people, but encourage collaboration? So anyhow, we organized that I'll come back on a different day and meet my 15 women. So I come home to Kampala and I put together a small tool set where I'm going to ask them questions, put them through some of what we call liberating structures, some of your listeners might be aware of. So I plan my little template, 15 people, not so many. Well, I show up, <laughs> I see a hundred more people standing by. Well, I know in my heart, people are curious. So I say, well, let's get in and get started because we don't have a lot of time. So everybody walks into the room, then I'm confused. I say, Margaret, my Miss Wonderful, I thought we had 15 people. Margaret said, well, people called me saying, why only the 15? There are more women leaders. Then I said in my head, when does a researcher make a mistake? Do I take <laughs> for granted and say, yeah, I had 100 people in my meeting. Or do I take a step back and reorganize? Because I can do both. So I decided I'm not going to let down the people because they walk miles sometimes to come to these type of meetings. So when they showed up, I say to them, we are going to have a plan. Now we are replanning again because now we have a plan for 15. Now we are replanning for the 100. So I said, but let me take some notes and understand what brought us in, in the room because we cannot move forward without knowing where is the desperation coming from. 
So as they started brainstorming and throwing out ideas, I'm writing them down and sketching them to see where the themes would collaborate. Again, collaboration was a factor here. So I said, you know what? I have the liberty to change my visa to return to the US because I was leaving the U for the US in about two, maybe two to three days. This was my last loop. So I had to make a decision. I said, you know what? You need to extend your visa. You need to be back for the women, okay? So anyhow, that happened. I took care of my protocols and I come back to meet my 110 women. Now, remember when they come in the room just to help the listeners understand, they've been walking. I am, I am from the USA. Anybody who comes in the USA in the community is part of a wonderful organization. You, like the UN or their World Food Program, they have a budget. So they can afford to buy water and give these people water to drink. They can give them a snack. I could not. Well, then the security man came to me and said, these women walk to come to see you. They can't go back without at least a drink. So instantly, I'm supposed to buy a drink <laughs> for 110 people. <laughs> so I called the city mayor. I said, you know, I don't know what you have in your pocket, but just come and collaborate with me so we can take a credit for this. Get, give the people the drinks, and then we can organize better the next time. Okay, now moving forward, we are coming back to the third session. So I took my time. The member of parliament could not travel with me. He had gone on a different assignment out of the country, but he honored me with two vehicles, a security vehicle and his own car, because I did not know how to go by myself. Well, all those protocols taken care of again. I took a good night's sleep and I prayed about meeting these women because a hundred for me was a lot of people to agree, come up with a solution. They are not my team that I have to say, I know characteristics of the most hardworking, collaborative, I did not know. Right. In the morning, they drive me to the site. So they told me we have changed the venue from a classroom because you know, in communities such as those, we use what's available. So they moved me into the church well, for being a, a child of a background where the church was serene, I didn't want to go and start having meetings in the church. But it also made me rethink, why the church? So I said, you know, if we're going to do church service, spend half the day, you know, doing church, I'll find a way to trim that out and then we can focus on collaborative work. Well, when I show up, I see this crowd of women. I said to myself, not again. <laughs> so they said, Miss Angela, the women have to travel back. Some of them came from very far. So you can come in and they clap and they are singing. And I started crying instantly. I was overpowered. I did not know what else to do. I had already denied myself the opportunity to meet 100 people. And now I'm looking at a crowd of people. So immediately I have to know what's the number of people around me. Who are they? Well, we come back to a number, 730 women. <laughs> I told myself <laughs> I could run for a political seat right now. You know, I have the right <laughs> But no, I wasn't going to do that. Of course, I broke down. But in the meantime, I also had to pick myself up quickly because I need to move on. So then I asked them, so we are going to plan an agenda in the room. I said, well, I want to first declare I'm not bringing money in this room. So if you came for money, you can walk out because it's not a session for giving away money. So I give them a minute or two. People are not moving. I said to myself, what's the next trick? <laughs> I said, well, if you have a baby that needs to be fed, I want you to go home. I'll invite you on a different day. 
they said, our children are used to this. We breastfeed them, we carry them on the back and go work in the field. So we are fine. I say, you know, it's time for me to just start working. So I said, please, let's sing the anthem because it's part of their culture. We sing the local anthem so we can get everybody organized and in order. And then I said, you know, I'm going to divide you up in groups. So I look at one group, it's almost 50 people. I look at another group and some people are saying, hold my seat over there. You know, they belong in all these type of groups. <laughs> so I say one group, I say, what's the name of your group? The name was a whole sentence. There were women from the sixth mile. That was the name of the group. I said, how am I going to remember all these names? Just getting the names of the people, even if it was advocacy. So what we did, we decided to invite all the group leaders and we democ democratically decided to rename them just to add value to their discussion. So we got a piece of paper and wrote the number one to number 56 or whatever number it was, I don't remember today. But then we had the papers rolled and then we threw them on the floor and everybody went and picked up a piece of paper and that gave them a new group name democratically. So now nobody would say, how come I'm not number one? How come I'm not 56? But again, we have to achieve something. So after they have their names, I said, I hope you remembered to bring your pieces of paper and pen because I requested we're going to be writing out notes. But anyhow, so bottom line, I needed the community to buy into their own process. So because they didn't have the pieces of paper and pen, I now had, in this particular community, they had small retail shops. There were about seven only. So that means if I bought books, I took all the books in the store. If I took a drink, I took all the drinks in the, you know, in the community. I had to be very careful. So I asked them, I said, if you give me just a third of what it takes to buy a black book, the bigger book for them to write notes, I'll pay the difference. So they had to bring either the, you know, the quarter, the third portion. So they had time to negotiate this, you know, in all this process, I was trying to find how we can promote teamwork, identify leadership skills, see how collaboration can fit in, you know, all the things that you expect a group to do well, if they must succeed. So bottom line, we now have a book and I asked them to write a story that identifies with why they joined this group. So having their number, for example, number one, on page one and two, they had to spell out why they got together in this group. Then in the back of the book, I requested that they now tell individual stories on one page. Now, remember when we go to school and have all this training, writing a page about yourself is summary. In a community where people don't know how to write, it could take a whole day when you're trying to tell their story in one page. But I wanted them to pick up the skill to learn how to summarize their needs and be able to communicate it. And also to identify each character in the group. Because now I could tell, this is a mother of five, she's a widow. This is a mother of three with an abusive husband. This is a mother with, so that helped me out. But at the end of this whole process and practice, we were able to weave out a pattern on where their most need was arising. The women wanted to protect their daughters going to school. They wanted to build a facility that would keep them at the boarding school so the children didn't have to walk back and forth from home to be interacted with the obstacles on the path, hence that result into abduction, early childhood pregnancies, you know, child slavery, the things that we all know happen to our little children if they're not protected. So that was very amazing. But because they have to work hard to maintain that status, then we identified that all of them needed a tool that would improve 
working faster in their gardens because that's what they keep doing most of their time than using their bugs through the process. So in their world of understanding, they were asking for an oxen so that they can have an oxen till the land as they work behind it. But when I looked at the picture, I informed the member of parliament of their community and the other leadership, it would be more efficient if they buy a tractor. So the tractor can go faster around the different community gardens and also be able to have at least the two seasons than one. So the tractor has been placed by Uganda government because now they can lease it from the location where it is stored, police station or whatever. And we must find out after COVID if we're able to have that service continued. <laughs> Listeners, I warned you, if you work with NGB, it's gonna, it's gonna be, it's going to get done. That's bottom line. So, okay. Angie, I just want to first say thank you for the way you told the story. So many beautiful lessons came out already. Listeners, I really hope that you had a pen and a paper, your own pen and paper to write down notes because <laughs> Angie, the way you share things, the lessons come out so beautifully. So a lot of lessons were already highlighted as you were talking, but I want to go way back to the beginning. Yes. When you talked about the gatekeepers protecting integrity and not manipulating the people, how those three specific things in space creation, obviously we create space to get to good trust, you know, to trust where we feel has seen and held, but first hit on the gatekeepers. Why is, why is acknowledging knowing who and working with the gatekeepers so, in, so important in collaboration? Well, when you're in a space that's not your own, you have to remember the same feelings you have when it's your space that they're invading would be the same way that other people would feel when their space is being invaded. And number two, carefully walking into any gate. And I think the concept of gatekeeping was borrowed from people who build houses with gates. You must be a friend. So before you can create that friendship, you're not welcome into the gate. Now, we must know who are the gatekeepers who are allowed to communicate between the outside and the inside to bring that collaboration that allows the friendship to begin. And once you're inside the gate, you can enjoy every service that's available to you. But protecting the gates of people who are vulnerable is something people ignore a lot because we walk in some spaces assuming we are needed the most. When we receive or we get a response that reacts negatively, that's why we get so depressed and downhearted because people sometimes use their finances to walk into people's gates. Some people use manipulation. Some people come in using, you know, some of us carry the burden of coming from large economies. So we are assuming it trickles down because we are. Some people use, you know, skin color. Some people use, you know, many, many factors. And then people can never proceed because they could not walk into the gate. So I have learned, you must identify who are the gatekeepers. It wouldn't, they don't have to be favorable people. In my situation, the politics is very critical. I am a woman in a culture where men are superior most of the time. So to come and stand in front of men's wives and teach them things that they should have taught them long time ago, I must work carefully. So most times I delegate. I recruit my team that delegates some of the work that they understand between their own cultures, then I don't have to be the victim. The bridge building that you just described, 
yes. could be its own college degree. <laughs> it's such a tricky line to walk and you have to be emotionally intelligent you have to like all those things that go into it so thank you for sharing that so much now i want to ask about when you're creating space how do you create the space so that you can anticipate that you need to protect the integrity because once you're in it you're in it so sometimes it's more difficult but you know if we do those preliminary steps sometimes we can hopefully anticipate that so in these spaces, the spaces we walk into, most cases have been defined already. So to say women groups, they already collaborated in some form and they created a space that was inclusive of that group of people. So for example, I had a group of women called citrus farmers. They all grow citrus farm, you know, citrus to be able to get an income. I had the weaving basket group. I had some of them go between groups. But because respectfully they are producing a service or product, that is the much respect we must give them because they're already doing something for me to come and empower. So my getting into the space, I must be prepared enough to show that I can add value to what has already been created. Recreation in a space must be done carefully because people, mindsets, need to be worked on before everything else. And most times teams must be built to collaborate through training. So when I buy into the leadership spaces, I learn more about their challenges. I learn more about the positiveness. I'm not afraid to share also that one of the groups was dismissed from my teams and I elaborated carefully. I said, there are some social activities we cannot promote. However desperate we are to get money. For example, some of the women here are widows. I understand how painful that is, but they are brewing alcohol. That means we are keeping the men not at work. They are drunk all through the day. So why am I going to invest money in a project such as that, that is pulling the community in a negative direction? So carefully we had to discuss, is it a good thing? Is it a bad thing? I let them take the debate on and then we voted. We cannot have that project in a community. And I pray to God they still hold that very highly because we need to also learn carefully to take what is stopping other growth, but making sure that the team leaders in a community are on our side. I, <laughs> listeners, again, I hope you are stopping and writing down because all of that Angie just had, I was writing two things down and then out of your mouth was coming more gems. Okay. The two things, main things that I heard out of that piece that you just shared was one, the thinking and the mindset starts like it has to start with you. Like each individual, we have to do our work when we're getting into the space of creating, getting into the moment of creating spaces. And then the other part I loved about that piece is it still has to come down to the people you're serving. And as you mentioned, you know, like you let them have the debate on whether this alcohol creation was worthy or not of continuing in the, you know, like it's still up to them. You're, you know, we're not going to wake up every morning. there living, you know, it's, it's just beautiful. It's a beautiful reminder is what I'm really trying to say. Yes. I, of course, we're time is done. We've passed it. I told you. So I'm going to ask two more questions. First, I just want to 
go back to the add value to what has already been created. Can you just talk a little bit more about that? So let's use a simple example. People who bake cakes. Everybody has an idea on which cake is better, which culture has a, you know, a cake of value. Then they start icing the cake. The cake has not been changed, but we are adding a layer to it that maybe would add attraction. If it's a baby birthday, we want them to have a cake. We are going to add colors of their, you know, of their choice. We keep adding value slowly so we can attract people to that center attraction piece. So when you're in a community and you know for sure there is need for them to improve themselves, you have to celebrate what they have already done and then start teaching them slowly about the process that they must walk through to attain a goal. Most of my women don't even know what their goals are. So to use words such as, we must have a goal, has been repeated in their ears forever. We trick a little bit and use a different word so that when value is being added, they now bring it back to a level of their own understanding. So for example, I'd say, when you carry water on your head all the way from the well to the house, doesn't it pull a lot of strain on your shoulders? I say, why don't you take it halfway and let the other person pick it up halfway? They come home and do more activities because they're not so tired. But there's value addition necessary in every process we try to create, even if we are improving it. There are baby steps to worry about because the learning curve is different for everybody. In communities, it's needed the most. You might spend a whole day just achieving how to write names of members. So you must not be in a hurry to say, guys, hurry up. We have to write your names. And I also have to teach you how to do your financial literacy. You waste the whole of your process. You have to take them a step at a time as you observe what they're doing well. Then you improve that until you achieve the goal that you're trying to attain. That's where value addition comes in. And to echo, having grace and know that you have time abundance. Time is on your side. Okay, I'm going to ask the last question. Is there anything lingering? So much was shared just now. Is there anything lingering or anything that you want to add on to or that we didn't touch on that you feel is so important? Because really everything you said is so important. (laughs) You know, with passion, things are done without a lot of planning, though we must go back into the planning mode. I wish anybody listening to me in any point of contact of life they have, they retake one step back and think, how can I make another person's life better? I spend a lot of my time helping those that are less fortunate than me. I also need help because I'm not as fortunate as many people. But the difficulty in this process is being alone. So I need to encourage Those who don't know what to do, they can join me. I have enough projects that can take all of us to work, (laughs) all of us to work. But those lingering factors, sometimes finances get in the way. I have to travel back and forth to a country of choice. I work in a community here also. I have to say that it is important when we are interested in helping others, that when we have a skill set that can improve what they're doing, somebody might be sitting in their living room and they can crunch all my data analyze it for me and give me one picture on a page. There are things that I'm sure we can do better collaboratively if we have other people interested join up in every other effort. 
Uh, how can people find you if they want to work with you or get to know more about what you're up to? I have put myself on LinkedIn because I'm involved in a few things that doesn't necessarily mean I don't know how to focus, <laughs> but LinkedIn is a good place to find me. I have my name spelled out, Angela Bokenya, and I also added in parentheses, Angie B, my slogan that I love so much for that company. So that's a very good place to find me. Wonderful. Well, I am so grateful for the time that you had today. And I am always beyond lucky and pleased and just shocked that I get to have you as my friend. So thank you. Thank you very much. It's a pleasure. <laughs> there was no way I could prepare you for that story. I thought about, do I give them a little bit more of a teaser? Explain a little bit more about what's about to happen. There was nothing I could do to prepare you for that <laughs> wow factor story. Because what happens when you think 100 people are going to show up to participate in a community meeting and 700 show up? There were so many big, big, big pieces in this. And, and I know I mentioned this in the interview, but when Angie is speaking, she's teaching in such a beautiful, non-aggressive way. Even though she's a very direct person, when she's telling the story, so many beautiful lessons come out. I love the piece about the gatekeepers and knowing who the gatekeepers are, because often we're going into someone else's space and knowing and including, because it's just like community engagement, we need to include who we're serving or the community that we're working with or in. The protection of integrity was a big lesson that came out of here. Do not manipulate people. We know this, and yet sometimes we have a quick moral dilemma in our ethics of, well, this is the objective of this project, of this collaboration. To get there, we might have to do this. No, we should never be doing that. We talked about, and we didn't say this word, but how do we deal with ambiguity? And we kind of came about it as replanning. So much in this, so much in this. I really highly recommend in some of these episodes, you go back and listen and take some notes. This one especially. And I want to leave it with this quote that I wrote down. Just as inclusion is valuable. Inclusion is valuable. We've got one more week of creating space as a focus in this series. Also, at the end of the year, we will be having the collaboration of sex. What lessons can we learn from this wild collaboration? If you are in around Madison, Wisconsin, Chantel Fowler, the sex therapist from Cape Town, will be here. And we are going to record the first show live of that series. And then afterwards, the audience can ask questions about sex and get some informed responses and some informed advice and then we've got the life cycle collaboration starting up on october 3rd there are some spots left so definitely check out the page notes and you can get linked there and i can't wait to chat with you on the next 20 minute collaborations You've been listening to 20-Minute Collaborations with international collaboration coach Greg Potter. If you're interested in working with Greg or finding out how he can help your organization, visit ggpotter.com. You can also follow him on all the social media at ggpotter 
And finally, don't forget to subscribe to this podcast to get all of the collaborative ooey gooeyness that you've been longing for your entire life. This is an Artemis Bow Productions podcast.